1: The premier podcast for all things
0: Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: Okay, Penn State fans. You know what time it is. It's time for the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Johnny McGonagall. And Bob Flounders here on a, a very nice Tuesday afternoon. We're, tape, we're uh, recording this or taping it, depending on how you're consuming this, around 3 o'clock on Tuesday. As always, Johnny and I are going to get to James Franklin's regularly scheduled uh, presser, which is usually at 1230. I was up there, just made it back. Before we get to that, Johnny, just a couple of notes. Uh, I see that Jair Brown, Penn State's talented safety and also one of the most... Interesting quotes on the team. In addition to being the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, he's also the Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week. Johnny, I don't know. You're a youngin, so I don't know how familiar you are with Bronco Nagurski, but he was a heck of a player. It's a national award, well-deserved. Head State Central Michigan Chippewas, noon on Saturday. And I'm glad you survived your trip to Auburn. What a great
0: time. Yeah, Bob, it was an awesome time. I mean, that environment down there at Auburn was great. I mean, even game aside, you know, just able to get down there, uh, you know, Tumors Corner, uh, you know, Friday afternoon, uh, meet up with some some former classmates and, and enjoy the atmosphere on Friday. Um, and then uh, to be, you know, to be down there around game day in the morning, you know, seeing how many Penn State fans were down there, they traveled well. Uh, you know, the kind of expected out of Penn State fans. But, you know, this kind of this home and home was a really unique experience uh, for both sets of fan bases, being able to travel to you know, new parts of the country, new stadium, uh, new environments. And uh, I thought it was a really neat uh, crowd. You know, Jordan, Jordan Harris Stadium, with the orange out. You know, it was it was uh, it was loud. It was a good crowd before the game. And I think as it progressed, it got a little quieter, uh, you know, as as the game kind of slipped away from the Tigers. But a really good experience. Really good. Uh, really good game down there
1: yeah, and I think uh, a little bit later on the podcast, we'll get into a question you asked, Gene Franklin, uh, late in his postgame presser talking about you know a lot was made that I think Penn State was the first team and only team to make a trip to auburn. this This was the first time a Big Ten team has ever done that. Uh, I know that you asked him a question, and he had a very interesting answer about I guess the future of a potential game like this for Penn State and what it would mean to Penn State. Interesting answer. We'll get to that a little bit later. That's what's known as a tease. And Johnny, I'm kind of jealous. You and I were in the press box. Uh, Our man Joe Hermit was roaming around the field, you know, before the game, after the game, during the game. And he got a picture with the War Eagle. It's hard to top that of all the things I've seen on the road and all the things I've been able to do on the road. On and off the record. I won't share all of them with the Penn State (laughs) fans, but that's a cool picture. Uh, You and I got to see that eagle fly. Uh, They released him before the game. And, man, it's really just a fantastic uh, animal, Uh, fantastic experience. And to watch that, I thought, just really cool. And, of course, Joe got a picture with him. I'm going to be jealous for the rest of my life. But Joe deserved it. You know what I mean? He's a hardworking guy. But, man, what what a neat pregame scene.
0: It was really cool. I mean, I, you know, before the game, you know, we get there, the stadium, you know, local time, right? It was a 2.30 kick. So we get there, we're waiting in line for our credentials at 11, 11.30, get in. And I pretty much went on the field right away and just hung out. Uh, until, until they basically told us to leave, you know, but I I did hear there was going to be an issue getting back up to the press box for kickoff, you know, with the the coaches like holding the elevator and I'm like, all right, well, I wanted to be on the field for the, you know, the war Eagle ceremony, but I wasn't able to. So props to Joe for getting that pick, you know, that's, uh, that's something that he'll, he'll hold on to forever. Right. And it was a really cool, um, you know, really cool pregame atmosphere, really good tradition that they've got down there. And, uh, yeah, Joe will have that one over us forever.
1: Yeah, I, I can't top that. I'm thinking of some of the mascots we're going to see on the road this year. I mean, Michigan doesn't have a live Wolverine. And if they did, Johnny, I wouldn't mess with it. Are you saying
0: Purdue's Boilermaker, uh, the, the the crazed and bizarre-looking mascot they have there, doesn't, uh, doesn't get the juices flowing, Bob? Well, it does. But I'm saying, like, there's nothing
1: out there, like, for us to try and match or beat Joe, like, on the remaining schedule. You know, the Rutgers Scarlet Knight is not going to cut it. The Indiana Hoosier. I don't even know what that mascot looks like. We might have to wait to the bowl game. Maybe something something snappy will present itself. But Joe's got us beat by a large margin. So kudos to Hermit. Uh, Johnny, before we get into James Franklin's takeaways, I wanted you to kind of break down for the Penn State fan base your Associated Press ballot. You do it every Sunday. You are a voting member. Penn State officially jumped I believe eight spots from 22 to 14 in the AP poll Uh, I saw some people prominent people on Twitter think maybe Penn State deserved to be a little bit higher because of those two road uh, power five wins against some pretty they're both pretty good teams I mean the Auburn fans aren't really happy right now but Penn State took them apart and that doesn't usually happen you know at home for Auburn so how did you go, go about constructing your ballot I mean they they got two games coming up where they're going to be heavy favorites. So, what do you see in the near future for Penn State but how did you vote after the Auburn game?
0: Yeah, so I had Penn State in my poll last week like slightly higher than the AP poll had on overall. Uh, Penn State was 22, I had Penn State 20. And so I moved Penn State up to 12, which turns out to be the exact amount of spots they moved up, right? They moved up from 22 to 14 in the overall AP poll and so that's kind of right where I have them and look I think I really think everyone after you know four even because I'm I'm pretty high on USC and have been since the preseason and I have them four. you know just behind you know Georgia Alabama and Ohio State I think everyone beyond that it's kind of a crapshoot I mean if you if you you know voted Penn State and put them six seven eight nine you know I wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know bat an eye really. And I think that's where this team can ultimately end up. You mentioned those, you know, those upcoming games, Central Michigan and Northwestern. They're already massive favorites against Central Michigan. They'll be big favorites against Northwestern. Uh and you can go into a bye week looking at a five and zero team here and a team that'll be, you know, if they're not in the top 10, you know, around the top 10, uh going into that meeting at Michigan. And so, yeah, I had Penn State 12 But again, I wouldn't, you know, it's something that I really like to do every week is this poll. Uh, I was able to do it last year, able to do it this year. And yeah, I do put a lot of research, a lot of time into this. And uh, listeners haven't read it yet. You know, look out for it every Sunday morning. uh, I post my whole uh, ballot and my reasoning behind it. And uh, yeah, not a lot of movement in the top 10 this week. I think really the only team in my top 10 that was bounced was BYU. Uh, But look, if there's other movement upcoming this week, Tennessee has a game coming up against uh, Florida, some other big matchups this weekend that Penn State could move up.
1: I'm going to just say this right now, for selfish reasons. At the end of the year, if Penn State's record matches up the way I hope it does, I would really love to see a Penn State Kentucky bowl game, Johnny. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I think you know if if they if they get dinged a couple times and they, let's say they finish, I don't know, they could finish, Johnny. They could finish anywhere from eight and four to eleven and one. They could run the table. I don't think that's unlikely, but I would love to see them play Kentucky, a Sean Clifford, Will Levis battle at the quarterback position. I think it would be a fitting way for those two quarterbacks to complete their careers. And it would kind of be a little bit of a, I don't know, decider in my mind, who's going to play better, who's going to have the bigger impact if they would play. But that would be a, a bowl game I would love to see. And I bet you the Penn State fan base would be interested by that.
0: Could we get like Joe Moorhead and Ricky Ronnie in the booth for that one? I mean, that would be a blast, wouldn't it? You know, the, the, the guys who brought you know brought those two quarterbacks in and and, and coached them up and everything. I think that'd be uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe Taquan Roberson can join in as well. Like, just bring in all the you know former coordinators and quarterbacks coach and GAs and former quarterbacks. Everyone that you know helped make this uh, make this happen. I think I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that James
1: Franklin would be thrilled to see Will Levis on the other side, especially if Kentucky would somehow manage to win the game. There'll be some questions, I think, after that. But he probably would look at it a little bit differently than the fan base does. But anyway, uh, that, is, that is the past. Let's deal with the present and the future. Uh, Penn State is 3-0. They looked – I mean, I don't care if Auburn's one-dimensional, Johnny. That was a fast, physical team. It was a fast, physical game. And as it went on, Auburn was much the worse for what for where. And they were at home in the heat. And Penn State didn't blink. You know, they even from the start of the game, they took a shot on fourth and one on their first series near midfield, didn't get it. But James Franklin talked today about how the response from the defense holding Auburn to a field goal was a big deal in the game. And uh, he touched on some other topics, but I want to get to your thoughts. What was maybe one of your two Top takeaways from what James had to say to the press on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, you know his comfort, you know his comfort going forward on fourth down. They've done that, uh, you know, had some success this year. I still go back to that fourth and two, the under, you know, pass out to Devin Ford in the flat against Purdue. Uh, I think that really set a tone, and so they're not scared for you know going forward on fourth down. And I think it also showed the confidence that James Franklin had in his defense against this Auburn offense that right around midfield, you know, first drive of the game, he had no qualms about going for it. Right. And and that defense pays, you know, dividends and, and really, you know, get, you know, has his back and has the offense's back. And, you know, James talks about complimentary football all the time and the fact that the defense stepped up really well. And, you know, they took a shot there on fourth down. They took a shot. Sean Clifford took a shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I was impressed with the way the defense stood up in that first drive. I was impressed with the way Sean Clifford came back and, you know, scored a touchdown on that next drive. And he ran it in himself, had a nice throw to Mitchell Tinsley down the field. And so it was a resilient performance early by this Penn State team. And it was really one that they ended up going away with it, right? I mean, 41 to 12. I don't think anyone expected that. We both picked Auburn to win close. And like, I was going back and forth and I'm sure you were too. Like, you know, Penn state won that game. And I mean, they were three point favorites. Like, it's not like we would be surprised, but 41 to 12, Bob. I mean, that was, that was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. They were tremendous in the red zone. Their defense was tremendous against Auburn in the red zone. There was obviously there was four turnovers, which were key, but Penn state's defense in the red zone. I think they have four possessions. It was six total points. Auburn had been 8-for-8 eight eight with eight touchdowns coming in against lesser opponents. The Penn State defense, their speed, their depth, I think Auburn hadn't seen that yet, and I thought it was very revealing. I also, Johnny, wanted to talk. I actually enjoyed this from James, even before he opened it up for questions today. Kind of tweaked us a little bit, you know. He's like, yeah, he, go, he always goes over the game, offense, defense, special teams, key to the games. He's like, said, zero sacks. Zero sacks allowed." I don't know if we talked about that enough after the game, guys. What do you think? So, you know, he's clearly talking about the play of his offensive line, which could clearly got the job done. A lot of rushing yards. They were able to protect John Clifford. The shot he took was not on them. That was down the field. They didn't allow any sacks to Auburn. And Auburn does have some very good players in the front seven. But he 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 kind of left it right there. You know, uh, the first question he got was from Rich Garcella, who said, you know, you didn't really want to bang the drama for the offensive line at Big Ten media days. You're going to let them kind of prove it. After this performance three games in against Auburn, are you ready to bang the drum? He goes, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that just yet because the minute I do it, something could go wrong. But the play of the offensive line, Johnny, and you can include the tight ends in that as well. Uh, Clearly, their their best effort to date and the fact that they were able to do it on the road with a lot of noise and a lot of distractions, you got to
0: tip your hat to them. Yeah, James Franklin isn't going to tell us that his offensive line is great yet. I don't know if he'll ever tell us that, even if they go out, you know, shut down Michigan's front seven and, you know, they're in a nice bowl game somewhere, somewhere warm, somewhere nice. And I don't even think he'd he'd admit it then, but uh, it was a great performance by Penn State's blockers overall. You mentioned the tight ends in there. I mean, Brenton Strange had a pancake block on Nick Singleton's first run. Uh, Theo Johnson came in the game and was kind of a little bit of a decoy. I mean, uh, you know, Gary Danielson even circled him uh, on the broadcast saying, Hey, watch out for him uh, on Katron Allen's first touchdown run. Uh, Olu who has just been, you know, very, very good. I mean, he's just been incredible at left tackle. And uh, I, that was one of the matchups I was looking at going into this game was him against Derek Hall, who, you know, was a guy who was probably going to get drafted on day two of the NFL draft in April. Uh, you know, if he has a good workout to I me, mean, he could even push himself into the first round tail end and, uh Fushan, it was just, you know, shut him down. I mean, he, he still is just, uh, you know, keeping that blindside clean for Sean Clifford and and even Drew Aller when he's been in there. So uh, very impressed with Penn State's offensive line, the way they've opened up holes, the way they protected Sean Clifford. And uh, you need that, right? I mean, it's not going to be as, you know, challenging against Central Michigan and Northwestern, but when you get into that three-game stretch, I, we've talked about this before, that post bye week Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, basically that's the season, right? Uh, that offensive line is going to have to play as well as he did against Auburn in that stretch. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA, or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
1: Let's tie uh, two of James Franklin's uh, questions and answers together. Obviously, Nick Singleton, the true freshman, I, you know, you, you almost run out of things to say in terms of praising him. Six foot, 220. No one is making up ground on him uh, in the open field. People have angles on him, and he's outrunning the people with angles that are supposedly fast. 124 yards. Two 50-plus-yard runs, one for a touchdown, one, I think, to inside the five that set up another touchdown. Big Ten Freshman of the Week. But let's talk about the other guy. Let's talk about Catron Allen, who had a very good game, nine carries, I think 52 yards, something like that, two touchdowns, two hard runs on those touchdowns. James was asked about him. We could also talk about how he's remade his body. You know, he was in the 220-pound range, I think, when he enrolled uh, early uh, from imG academy now they list him at 201 james talked about kind of why he's he you because know, his nickname is the fat man and james said you really can't you know you really can't say that about kron anymore but what what an impressive runner different kind of runner and also um james is also asked about they're starting to go under center a little bit more uh maybe put a, t- a tight end in the game almost as a fullback it's, instead of just do, running all of the plays out of the spread james was asked about that but I can, let's try and tie those two together. First, Catron Allen, what he's been able to do,
0: and you know, there's going to be a day when he goes for 100 yards too, Johnny. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Katron Allen, 52 you know, rushing yards on nine carries, two touchdowns at Auburn, his first collegiate touchdown coming towards the tail end of that first half, which is a big score. It put him up 14-6 to six with less than two minutes ago until halftime, and James Franklin was asked about Catron Allen today at his press conference, and th- that's what I wrote about afterwards, and uh quote unquote, he said, you know, he's he's a somewhat quiet guy and not the most expressive guy. So to see him on Saturday, for me as a father figure, looking at these guys like your sons, to watch that kid smile and his whole face light up and the team react to him is really cool. He's starting to break out of his shell, and, and I'm really proud of him. I mean, it was a cool moment to see. And, you know, going back, and I mentioned the CBS broadcast, at the tail end, when Brad Nessler, you know, the music's playing, the CBS theme music's playing, Brad Nessler's, you know, giving you the highlights and and, and you know, taking you out, basically. The lasting image of, you know, 41 to 12 was Katron Allen being lifted up by Olu Fashanu. His arms are wide. He's smiling. And I mean, that's got to be a heck of a moment for a true freshman, right? I mean, this time last year, he's at the IMG Academy. He comes in. Nick Singleton is, you know, ranked higher than him. And, uh, obviously Singleton has done an absolute, you know, an amazing job too, right? Like 179 yards against Ohio, 124 yards here. It was really funny when Nestler, you know, at the start of the second half, Brad Nestler was saying, oh yeah, Auburn's been, you know, keeping in check, uh, Nicholas Singleton so far. And then literally two seconds later, Singleton gets a handoff and goes 54 yards. And in the middle of that run, Nestler is like, Singleton, not in check. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like, all right, yeah, this kid has arrived and, and so is Catron Allen. And I think the confidence that that gives them, I mean, three games into their careers, uh, to have this kind of impact and I think it's just, you know, it really is invaluable. The offensive line doing the job for them to open up holes, but you know, Catron's vision and the way he kind of just works and waits and, and is patient uh with the ball, I think is uh I mean, as a freshman, that that's what you want to see.
1: Yeah. A little bit, not a lot, but a little a little bit of Le'Veon Bell in him with the patience and the delaying and always falling forward. I did look this up. Uh, not that it's a big deal. He doesn't have a lot of carries yet, but Katron Allen has not been tackled for loss yet this year. He has he has no no yard. All the yards, when you look at his his rushing yards for the season, uh it's all positive yardage or or maybe one or two no gains, but he has not been thrown for a loss yet. Just an impressive guy. Jane said, yes, he is, he's, he is down to 200, 201 pounds. Uh, but he said, you know, some of the weight maybe that he lost wasn't great weight anyway. And he does think that long term, you know, as he starts to fill out and get stronger, you're going to see that weight go up a little bit. I don't know if he'll be at 210 or 205 or maybe 212. But uh, I don't think I, I think we're going to see him get a little bit bigger and stronger. He actually looks really quick, too. Um, he's just going to have to change his nickname. He's no longer the fat man, but he is just a huge part of what Penn State's trying to do, Johnny. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is when I'm watching the Ohio game and watching the Auburn game, Penn State is really, you know, the fans and and even us were like, why did Singleton, you know, he, he started the game and then he didn't play for a little while and like, get him the ball, get him the ball, get him the ball. But you know what? Uh, I think Penn State might even be a little bit smart about this because when the defense up, starts to tire on the other side and gets into the third quarter, it's not a coincidence that maybe that's when he's starting to do his damage because he's tough to bring down when they're at full strength. But if they start to sag a little bit, and especially in the heat, uh, and he's fresh and he sees that hole, I think it's advantage Penn State. Um, I don't know if that is their plan, but it just seems like – I think there's going to be most – in a lot of the games, Johnny, when you see him get big runs, I think it's going to be in the second half because he's a guy that is – a guy that has really done a lot of great work in the weight room. He's got natural speed. He's probably built on that working at Penn State. But in the second half, I think he's even more dangerous because if the defense starts to tire just a little bit, if he gets into the open, they're not going to get him.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, you know, James Franklin and and Jaywan Sider, the running backs coach, you know, when they go and watch the film and you know, they see the 54 and the 53 yard runs, and they have to be tempted to just get Nick Singleton the ball. 25 30 times a game right he's that good but like you said i mean if he's fresh coming in the second half and and also you like that's a testament to the depth that they have that they don't have to ride this kid into the ground they have Ktron Allen and and they still have faith in Kevon Lee too uh you know Kevon Lee you know he went down there for a minute he came back in the game had a nice little run you know a little jump cut uh, through the whole, he still has, I mean, he's still a talented guy, right? He has ability. I think there's different gear, a different level with these freshman running backs, but they have the depth uh, and the, and the faith in, in their running backs that they don't have to ride Nick Singleton, like, like Le'Veon Bell, you know, the Steelers, right? They don't have to give the guy 400 touches in a year or something crazy like that. And so I think that's just beneficial too for Nick Singleton. I mean, he's still a freshman, right? You know, despite, you know, the production that he's had and how good he's looked you know, this freshman hit a wall at some point, you know, most do at least. And uh, to limit his carries, you know, 10, 10 carries against Auburn, 10 carries against Ohio. I, I'd be surprised if he gets more than 10, 12, maybe 15 against Central Michigan. I think that just, you know, it, it builds up that depth and it builds up, you know, the, the trust that you have in not just one guy, but an entire room and keeps Singleton fresh for not only the second half of games, but, you know, the second half of the season.
1: Nick Singleton on pace, people, to get a thousand yards on roughly a hundred carries. He's got, I think, he's averaging eleven point one yards per rush, easily the best in FBS. He will face tougher defenses, although Auburn's defense. He had twelve yards to carry against them. Auburn's defense is no joke. I think that's going to play out uh, against some of their games in the SEC. But now you see Penn State going under center in a couple different situations. You can see him go under center to quarterback sneak it. You can see him go under center. With either Nick or Catron uh, in the game, and a really a fullback, it's a tight end in the backfield with them, and also also Johnny. The other team's time you see them under center was is with that T formation inside the five yard line. You'll have a quarterback. I think you'll have a tight end and two running backs in a T formation. Uh, they've had some su- success with that as well. I just wanted to get your take when James had to say that there was really no difference when they're either when when they're under center or there's there's a running back seven yards deep. Quarterback still giving the running back the ball about four yards deep. I still don't quite see it that way. Now, I'm not, I don't have the knowledge that James does, but I just think, you know, in the spread when they run the mesh, I still think there's a little bit more of a delay whether Sean is going to pull it or give it to the running back. I still think there's a little bit more of a delay whether it's four yards deep or not. Whereas under center, and the, it's clearly going to be a run, I just think the running back has got a little bit more of a head of steam. And they're a little bit more decisive in getting the run started. But James was
0: quick to point out that he thinks it's basically the same. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if he's trolling there or what, because I'm kind of along the same line of thinking as you, Bob. And again, you know, hand up, right? We don't have like decades worth of coaching. You know, it, it, these guys have you know studied the sport like crazy and have been around it. Uh, so you want to – you know, trust what they're saying. Right. And and know that they know what the the heck they're talking about, but it, it like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me either. Especially when you talk about like the RPO with the mesh and stuff like that, like know, straight handoffs, I don't think there's been that big of an issue uh, in terms of tackles for a loss, you know, this year, at least, you know, three games in uh, with the running game. Like if it's a run all the way, I think they've done a good job, you know, pulling, especially we talk about, you know, S- Sal Wormley and how he's been able to get out in space and, uh, you know, create some some lanes, you know, off tackle. I think they've been able to do a good job in that regard. A lot of that is you know come out of the shotgun. But when it comes to that mesh point, unless you're gonna like, unless Clifford's gonna run more, which I, I think he can do, but you know, is is the kid gonna get killed like he almost did against Auburn? Like I don't think you need to. You know what I mean? Like especially upcoming here against a Central Michigan and a, and a Northwestern. I don't think you need to put your six year senior. Uh, in conflict, in, in harm's way by running that mesh point and and doing those RPS. So I, I don't know. I, I do like what they've been able to do under center. You know, QB sneak, you know, bare minimum, right? Like just plow forward and Sean Clifford has a couple touchdowns from QB sneaks this season. And I do like that little T formation. They have, you know, Brenton Strange back there. And you don't really know which way they're going to go, right? I mean, even even if Brenton goes left and blocks, you could still run right. And so I think it creates misdirection and confusion there uh, in tight along the goal line. So I, I like what I've seen so far in, in those packages. This Blue White
1: Breakdown Podcast, Penn Lives Penn State Football Podcast, you can you can listen to it. You can watch it as a video on YouTube. There's so many ways to consume it. Spotify, Stitcher, just look for it, the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Johnny McGonagall, Bob Founders. We're gonna wrap it up here in a minute or two. But Johnny, I wanted to I wanted to circle back to a story you wrote and a question that you asked James Franklin, I think it was actually the last, it was the last question of his Auburn press conference, you know, outside the visitor's locker room. It was hard to hear. I didn't actually get to hear your question because there were so many Penn State fans waiting out by the buses and it was just really, really hard to hear. And they were getting to wrap it up and you asked him a question. I'll, I'll let you Kind of just tell uh, tell the fans what you asked him because I couldn't really hear it, but I definitely heard his answer—a passionate answer uh, about the future of games, maybe like Penn State, Auburn. Whether it's a home and home, or you're going to play, you're not going to play a Big Ten team, you're not going to play, you know, a team that's a, a former rival. It, it's it was a it was a home and home with Auburn, and, that, and no Big Ten team had ever played at Auburn. So that was really significant. But what did you ask him? And just kind of talk to the fans about what he had to say. Whatever you asked him, I'm sure glad you asked it.
0: Well, yeah, I had to repeat my question because it was so loud. James couldn't even hear it. And, and he's standing like a foot away from me, basically, with how crowded and packed in we are outside the visitor's locker room. But I basically asked him, you know, we talked about the, the environment at Auburn earlier in the pod here, and we talked about it all weekend. And so I asked him, you know, it, would you be in favor of scheduling more home and home regular season series with, you know, non-conference power five opponents in the future? Given how you've seen Auburn fans travel up to the Happy Valley last year and Penn State fans, you know, travel down to Auburn, the interest seems to be there. And he gave a swift no. It was a, it was a swift, loud no. I heard it. Swift, loud no. And then there was a brief pause and he said no again. I'm like, OK, well, why? Basically, you know can I get something more out of that? Right. And his, his explanation was long and and a little, I I don't want to say all over the place, but, you know, it had a different, you know, a couple of different layers to it. And I think basically what he what he responded and said, like, you know, it's hard enough to win the big 10 and the focus of the college football playoff, you know, getting into that conversation and into that top four is the focus should be winning your conference and essentially don't take any non-conference losses if you can afford it. Because look, we remember back in 2016, I mean, you could argue that that loss to Pitt propelled Penn State to do what they ended up doing. But without that loss, you know, if you if you had played Eastern Michigan instead and you beat them, you know, they could be in the playoff that year. And so I think that is a big reason behind it. Um, and, and he basically said, hopefully our true freshman you know, if they stay all five or six years or whatever, uh, hopefully they don't experience one of these again. And looking ahead, Penn State's future schedule—it it doesn't look like something like this is going to happen, at least in the near future. You've got uh, a home and home coming up against West Virginia, which should be fun. But even that's you know regional. Uh, the home and home against Virginia Tech was wiped off the books. The home and home—they have home and homes against uh, Syracuse and Temple uh, in twenty twenty six, twenty seven, and twenty seven, twenty eight. Which those don't really move the needle. So. Are we going to get something like this again? You know, is Penn State going to do a home and home with a Tennessee or a, I don't know a Florida? It doesn't seem like it. If James Franklin is like sitting here saying no like twice as as emphatically as he said it, I don't, I don't think we're going to get it. So I hope I hope the Penn State fans who went down to Auburn really enjoyed themselves this weekend. So it might be, might be a while before we get one of those.
1: Yeah, that's that was. I was going to wrap that up with the moral of that. The moral of that story and the moral of uh, Franklin's answer is the Penn State fans that were smart enough to go on this Auburn trip, a, literally a once in a lifetime opportunity, and it was a great. It could not have gone any better if you're a Penn State fan, right? It's a great campus. It was not hard to get to the stadium. The, the Auburn fans are great. It was actually, I mean, they're they're not exactly rowdy. Um, a lot of people dress up and go to those games. Penn State kind of took over that stadium. Uh, just a fantastic experience to see them really take apart. There's some guys on that Auburn team that are going to play in the NFL, and they could be, you know, standouts in the NFL. Whether it's Tank Bigsby, who I really liked uh, more so than J- J- Jarquez Hunter, some of those guys on the defense are going to be NFL players. But for how- to-, to see Penn State come in and really, really just kick their tails is what they did, and to- and to do it. And to win going away, what a great experience for Penn State's program, but also the fans. Kudos to them because as long as James Franklin's coaching Penn State, I don't know that you're going to see that unless it's unless it's 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 you know in the postseason or in the playoff or if, if there's some kind con- when they expand and there's some there's some home games in the playoff. That's maybe the only way if you're a Penn State fan, you're going to see a game like that. But Johnny, it was a, a fantastic trip. We got a lot left to write about. James talked about some of his young players, uh, Abdul Carter, Denai Dennis Sutton, some other guys. He had some things to say, obviously, about Katron Allen, but we have a lot to get to this week. Central Michigan is a 26-point underdog. Dave Jones and I, I guess, we will talk a little bit more. Hopefully, we'll get Dave to talk a little bit more about the game. He might want to talk about something else. You never know with Dave, and you and Dustin are going to be back later in the week. We're not done with the Blue White Breakdown podcast, but uh, today was fun, Johnny. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you had a great trip down south. Uh, I did as well. It was a lot of fun. But Penn State fans, we're going to wrap this one up. Stay tuned for more Blue White Breakdown podcast later in the week. Penn State's 3 and 0 and they look really really good right now. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.